So when I was in high school, most of you know that I, I, I played tennis. Uh, I played tennis in high school and in college. And I was told kind of early on in high school after I had played a couple of years in junior high that if I, I started to do more than just play tennis, that it would help my game and improve my game. For example, you know, uh, uh, just conditioning, running uh, sprints and, and jogging and getting the endurance built up. But one of the things that someone said um, was that if I was started to lift weights, that it would uh, Im improve the strength in, you know, my serve and uh, ground strokes. And, and even when you build the strength up in your legs, it helps make you kind of quicker. And so I was all about doing whatever it took to help be the very best that I I could be um, at, at this sport that I had been dedicated to playing. And so I went in the weight room with all these other dudes who were throwing up the big three and four 45-pound plates on each side and bench pressing it and repping it out. And, and I'm throwing the little two-and-a-halfs on the bar and struggling to barely get it up off the bar and much less lifted and on and on. But, you know, I, I got a little bit stronger. I certainly noticed that it did help me in my game, and so I continue to do so for that reason. But somewhere along the way, my motivation in being in the weight room began to change. I mean, I still did it to be the best that I could be at tennis and for it to improve my game in those areas. But what became even more important to me was my body image. My, my hope was that somehow through lifting weights, I would begin to get uh, a little bit bulkier. I would add on some, some muscle and maybe gain a little bit more respect or not more, maybe gain some respect, any respect from some of my guy friends and maybe get lucky enough to get a little bit of attention from some of the girls at the school and so I was lifting and lifting and lifting and putting in more time and more time not just for tennis but just trying to look like these guys who were in there who were doing it for real you know and um I, it's just one of those things that no matter how hard I worked, no matter how much I ate, no matter how many protein shakes I tried to drink, I just never could really get any bigger. I mean, I got a little bit stronger, maybe a little bit, but, but not much. I mean, I had in my mind that I was going to be the Arnold Schwarzenegger of tennis, right? I mean, just didn't ever happen, and I hated that about myself. I mean, I graduated high school, and I was six foot tall and about 137 pounds, and that was it, you know? And so this was part of my identity. I mean, I was just the skinny little sissy tennis player, and I hated that part about me. I was so self-conscious about that being my identity, you know? We've been talking all summer long about identity, and uh, we've been talking a lot about our identity in Christ and who we become in Christ at the very core of our being at the spirit level. But one of the things that we haven't talked yet about is our bodies. What role does our bodies have in our identity? Does it have any role in our identity? I mean, we've primarily been talking about the new creation that we become, the moment we put our faith and trust in Jesus for salvation and the forgiveness that gets applied to us and how we are joined to Jesus in a spiritual union with him and that we become completely forgiven, righteous saints who are no longer sinners but saints and, and, and that all of these things, that these transformations that take place, but, but what about our bodies? 
What about the rest of us? Because even though I've shown you some diagrams where we kind of broken us down on different levels, the way that God created us as spirit beings who also have a soul and also have a, a body, and we've kind of separated them to help see those different parts of it, um, we're all one. I mean, we're all still put together. We, as a human being, aren't just a spirit. And we have a soul, we have a body, and somehow it all makes us up together as a human being. And so I want us to, to, to look at that question this morning and try to answer what role does our body have when it comes to identity? Another way to kind of ask the question is how, how should we view our bodies, right? Because there's a lot of views that are out there in our culture with our bodies. There's a lot of views that you and I have about our bodies. A lot of us view our bodies very differently. To be honest with you, some of us, I think, view our bodies as like a trophy, right? I mean, what, what do you do with a trophy? If you, you get a trophy, it's something that you're proud of, and a, a trophy is meant to be on display. Sometimes you walk into your room, and you have shelves of trophies that you've put there for display you want to show them off and I think in many ways some of us view our bodies as trophies or at least we think that they should be right that the way culture talks about our bodies in a lot of ways is that that they they are trophies or they should be and the more that you can make it a a good-looking trophy the more attention you're going to get the more valuable you're going to appear at least within society and so some of us who hold this view find ourselves on the strictest of diets and we're constantly working out and we're taking supplements and we're having medical procedures done so that we can get our body sculpted just right so that we can show them off to the rest of the world and when we do and we get some attention with that then we feel like it brings us again our our meaning and our purpose it's our identity this is who we are based on the way our body looks others of us think that it should be a trophy but we never really get there and so we it is a trophy but i can't really present it because it's not worthy of being seen so we hide and we buy clothes that hide our bodies really well or we just don't go out in public very much and for a lot of us we're filled kind of with shame so the view a lot of us have is that our identity really is found in the way we look or it should be found in the way we look now that's only one way that some of us view our bodies another way that some of us view our bodies is that it's kind of that of a garbage can or a trash can and we we eat everything and anything in sight we we see it there where it's not really worth much and so we abuse it with drugs or we drink too much alcohol and abuse it that way we're just constantly dumping garbage in it and so we, we think that our identity is found in in other things and so it doesn't really matter how we treat our body and what it is that we do with it for some of us, we don't necessarily view it as a trophy or a garbage can. For, for some of us, honestly, we view our bodies more as like an amusement park. Amusement parks are meant to be pleasurable and provide an experience. And so we think, well, our bodies are here for the same thing. They're here to provide us pleasure. And so we view pornography and we experiment se sexually and we sleep around with others outside of marriage, whether that's before marriage or after we get married or both and so some of us think that our identity is tied to what we experience in our bodies and the feelings we get from those things and then there are some of us who view our bodies honestly as instruments of power 
We see them as ways to get something that we want. We manipulate others with our bodies. And so identity is found in power, and our body is just a means to an end to get that power that we crave to find our identity. And so there's a number of different views out there, and the way that we view ourselves, what we've been saying, the, the, the way that we believe about ourselves tends to affect our actions and our behaviors, and so we act out in all of these ways based on our views. So these are kind of common views we find in society, common views that sometimes we hold, but what about God? How does He view our Bodies. What does Scripture say about our bodies and our identity? I asked you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Before we look at what Paul says here, let me just quickly kind of set the scene a little bit and tell you a little bit about the culture that he was writing to. Remember that all of Scripture is, is writing first and foremost the Holy Spirit using an individual to communicate and write to a particular audience of that time. Now, it transcends time and can apply to us today, but first and foremost, the writers of Scripture were writing to a specific culture. Well, the culture at Corinth, this area that the church was in, that Paul was writing to in the first century, was a culture that was really impacted a lot by Greek Hellenism and Gnosticism, and there were a lot of different views of the body in this culture in the same way, like today, there's a lot of different views of the body. One of the main views that people held during this time was what was called dualism. And uh, dualism was this idea that the invisible qualities of human beings, they were separated and more important than the visible aspects of the body. Uh, so, for example, they didn't believe that the body would be resurrected, just the spirit. And there was this uh, idea that we separate them and that the, the, with the body not being as important, then that would lead people to believe that you could do whatever you want. Just treat it like it's a garbage can. Treat it like it's an amusement park, the same way we talked about that many of us view things today. For others, it, it led them to believe that the body was evil because if the spirit was the only thing that was going to be resurrected, then the body was evil and it needed to be punished in order to purify the spirit. And so there were a lot of different views in this time and as can normally happen with views in culture, they can begin to kind of find their way into the church. So many of the common views that were in the culture that Paul was writing to was finding their way into the church and it was impacting their behavior. There were many in the church who were treating their bodies like trash cans or amusement parks. Many of them were very promiscuous and were even involved in, in prostitutes because in the pagan world it was even considered part of their worship. And so with this false view of their bodies and it leading to these kinds of actions and unhealthy behavior, this is what Paul writes. This is what I want you to see, but this is the culture that he's writing into so that you'll, you'll have the context for what he's saying here. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, Paul writes to them and says, Do you not know? In other words, this is what's true compared to what it is that you think is true. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, Paul reminds them, 
whom you have received from God. There's the grace. So all of this different language. It's not something that they've earned. It's something that they received. This is what the Bible communicates over and over again is grace. It's something we receive. But Paul says, hey guys, do you not know that the right way to view your bodies is that it is that of a temple? You view them in all of these different ways as garbage cans, amusement parks, they're evil, and all of these other kinds of things. But he said, no, no, your body is a temple. It's a temple of the Holy Spirit. And what Paul is saying to them, what I want you to see in Paul communicating that to them and and really to us, because he's not just saying that to them, but he's saying to you today, your body, the proper perspective of your body, it is that it is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And so what Paul is communicating to them, I just want to highlight three things in saying that our body is a temple. The first and foremost is this, that your body is a valuable Keyword valuable there, dwelling place of God. If there's anything that your body being a temple communicates, it's, it's value. I mean, if it's a dwelling place for God, which is, if you remember in the Old Testament, what the temple was. There was the holy of holies, which was the area that God would dwell in and being permeated in and throughout the building. This was the dwelling place of God. So that's the temple in the Old Testament. Paul reminds them in 619, what? That your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is where? In you now. You're the new temple. You're the dwelling place of God. And so however it is that you view your body when you look in the mirror, like if you look in the mirror and you view your body as just junk, right because of the way it's it's seen the the way that's highlighted it should look within culture and you look back and you see it doesn't match those particular things and those things communicate the the um, unworthiness how unvaluable that it's just junk god thinks it's so valuable to him that he wanted to come live in there so do you see how it doesn't match up that when you and I look at our body in these particular ways and we see this from what it is that we see in the mirror, but what this communicates in the body being a temple is that it is a valuable dwelling place of God. Jesus came to this earth and he died for your sins, not just so that he could forgive you, but so that he could create an acceptable environment for him to live in. This is the proper perspective of your, your body. And here's, here's just another quick thing I want you to see. Did Jesus wait until you got your body all straightened out and looking the way it is that you kind of wanted it to in a way that you think would communicate value before he said he would come live in you? No! Right? We think we've got to get it to looking a certain way before it's seen as valuable. And God said, I don't care what it looks like right now. I don't care what your goals are on where it is that you're trying to be. The moment that you put your faith and trust in me, all I had to do was apply that forgiveness on the inside. No matter how it looked on the outside, it's still a valuable place for me to come dwell in. And so some of us need to take a deep breath and to rest and to take ownership of how valuable our bodies really are regardless 
of how they look and what it is that we tend to think of them. So that's the first thing that this kind of communicates in your body being a temple. Here's the second thing it communicates. Your body is beautiful and magnificent. You guys may remember in the Old Testament how, how elaborate and how detailed the instructions were that God gave the Israelites in building the temple. I mean, so many different detailed specifications, and, and there were parts of the temple that were, were overlaid with pure gold and curtains of twisted linen that were embroidered blue and purple and scarlet and, 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 and bronze clasps and silver bases and fine gems all throughout this temple and on and on. I mean, when you looked at this thing, it was magnificent. It was beautiful, and I don't think it's too much of a stretch to say that when Paul calls your body a temple, not only is he saying that it's valuable because it's a dwelling place of God, but that it is a beautiful and magnificent dwelling place for him. No matter how our culture defines bodies being beautiful, God says it's a temple, and the temple was magnificent and beautiful, and so is yours your body is not junk it is a temple so your body's a valuable dwelling place of god your body is beautiful and magnificent the last thing communicates is just that your body being a temple communicates your holiness the temple was considered a holy place not because of all the things i just described on the outside and the specifications and the things it was built with but because of who dwelt there. God is holy, and His holiness permeated the holy of holies being the dwelling place of God in that innermost part of the building, and it, and it permeated the building from the inside out so that it was called a holy place, not because of the materials, not because of the externals, but because of God being holy and dwelling there. And so if God lives in you and he is holy, guess what that makes you? Holy. The Apostle Paul in, first, uh, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 21 and 22, says, Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now... Once you were this, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Look at your neighbor and say, I am holy. Right now, look at your neighbor and say, I am holy. Better yet, look at your other neighbor and say, in Christ I am holy, all right? In Christ, when we are spiritually united to him, him being holy and making us this new creation, rebirthing us again into someone new, makes us holy. One of the things that is highlighting that is that your body being a temple communicates your holiness that you have at the spirit level in Christ, and it gets permeated throughout your soul and your body being part of who you are. So, your body being a temple communicates it's a valuable dwelling place of God. 
that is beautiful and magnificent, and then it communicates your holiness. But here's something else I want you to see about what Paul says about our bodies. And it's not, it's not in his first letter to the Corinthian church. It's in his second letter to them. But in chapter 4, verse 7, Paul says this. He says, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not us. The treasure that he's referring to there is Jesus. Jesus is the treasure. The jars of clay are our bodies. And the thing about jars of clay is that they were fragile and they were easily broken. So this is a, a metaphor, again, to show the Corinthians that the real value, the real treasure, of course, is Jesus. But listen, it also communicates kind of a, a holistic and a more proper perspective of our bodies. So on the one hand, Paul says, the proper view of your bodies is a temple. It's valuable and magnificent and beautiful and all those things that we just said. And then on the other side, Paul goes, hey, your body's a jar of clay. It's broken and fragile. That's true. I mean, we still experience the effects of sin in this fallen world, and our bodies are fragile in that way, and they do become sick, and we, we are going to experience the effects of aging. Some things are going to start to sag. <laughs> it's part of what happens when you age. You are a jar of clay. You will experience the death of, and the effects of sin in this world. But one of the things it, it shows in not just being fragile and breakable is, is something else. Because Paul says this, and then look what he goes on to say. So he says in 1 Corinthians 4, 7 that we have this treasure in jars of clay to show this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Verse 8, we are hard-pressed on every side but not crushed, perplexed but not in despair persecuted he says but not abandoned struck down but not destroyed he says we always carry around in our body the death of jesus so that the life of jesus may re be revealed in our body for we are those for or for we who are alive are always being given over to death for jesus's sake so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body in this jar of clay so then he says death is at work in us but life is at work in you paul paul suffered a lot pa paul's body was beaten he experienced suffering for his faith and the new creation that he had come and and, and in this culture he was being beaten and broken down and down and experiencing death and all of these things as a jar of clay it was fragile and it was broken but he says death was at work at him in all of this suffering but life was at work in them so in other words when you you experience the cracks in the jar of clay it allows the life of jesus to come through and shine through them and fall on them so that they're experiencing the life the treasure that was inside the fragile and broken vessel on the outside so this is an important aspect that you and i need to see that the the same thing is true about us the life of christ 
is not just put in us to change us on the inside and for us to, to rest and then get to, again, go to heaven one day, but to be at work in and through your body to express his life to a lost and a broken world around you. He's being put in you so that God can manifest Jesus, clearly show Jesus to the rest of the world. It's the, the, the tangible part of the makeup. There's a spiritual transformation that takes place that joins into this tangible, physical world in some way. The kingdom of heaven being a citizen, being transferred into the physical, intangible world realm and this is part of who we are so you and I become an instrument of righteousness we're an instrument in the master's hands we're a vessel that God uses to manifest Christ's life to the world and so that's why Paul could say if we go back to our verse and we'll close here with this that after Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 when he said, don't you know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you and you see from God? He goes on and says this, you are not your own. You're not your own now. He says, you were bought at a price, so therefore honor God with your bodies. And so, so, so for you and I to be brought into God's family and this transformation to take place, it cost him the life of a son. He had to purchase you, had to ransom you with his blood on the cross. And now, as God's child, Paul is saying, that makes your body not your own it's, it's not your own to do whatever it is that you want to do with it it's Jesus's he owns it he's the rightful owner of your body he placed Jesus in you so again he can now use your body as an instrument to manifest Jesus to the world and so as the owner of it then we make ourselves available and say my body Lord Jesus not really my body it's yours you're the rightful owner of it Jesus you live in me so you guide where you want this body to go and you lead me to take the actions with my body however it is that you want to lead me to take actions and whatever you want me to speak and say and do with my hands and feet and on and on it's in this way that and why we use the language sometimes that we become the hands and feet of Jesus. So let me just close with a couple of practical ways that I think understanding and realizing that our identity is found in being a temple of the Holy Spirit, that you are a temple. Here's some practical ways. First, it means if, the, if you've tended to view your body as a trophy that's meant to be on display, you can now live free from that bondage. Your body does not have to look a certain way to have value. The world may communicate that to you, but you can be free from the bondage that that's in there. If you've been starving yourself and working yourself to death trying to earn an identity, Jesus wants to set you free from that bondage that you are living in. Knowing you're a temple, it just allows you to appreciate how God made you, to, to understand a healthy perspective on aging and that just this is what's going to happen and to be okay with that. Also, when we understand that our identity is 
found in being temples. The Spirit's going to lead us to have a more healthy perspective on working out in, in what it is that we eat and put in our bodies or don't put in our bodies, honestly. I mean, we're, they're not trash cans. Holy Spirit's not going to use you to abuse it with drugs and abuse it with alcohol. Notice I didn't say that he wouldn't allow you to drink alcohol, but to abuse it with alcohol, right? In the same way with food and just eating anything and everything because some of us do that in order to find satisfaction and happiness in the things that we're putting in our bodies rather than being found in Christ himself. Now, don't don't hear me say when, when, when I'm saying that understanding that we're temples and the Holy Spirit's going to lead us to a more healthy understanding of, of working out and what it is that we're putting in our bodies, that that means you have to enslave yourself now to being the best temple that you can be, right? I'm just going to eat nothing but kale or something, right? You know, yum, that's so good. But I'm a temple and I can't put anything else in here. No, no, no. There's freedom in Christ, all right? There's a lot of things that Paul wrote about food and other kinds of things and dietary restrictions. There's freedom to enjoy God's blessings of, of food, and, but we don't do it in a way where we're drawing satisfaction and life and meaning from those things. We have all those met in, in Christ, we're doing them to just enjoy what it is that he's allowed us to enjoy. But it, so, so it doesn't mean that we can't eat ice cream and chicken fried steaks. It just means that's not all you can eat. <laughs> he's not going to lead you that way. You're a vessel. Your body's a, an, an instrument. He's going to lead you in some way to be able to maintain it so that he can continue to use it to manifest Christ to the world. Right? This is what he's going to do in some way. And then the last thing I would just say is, is that perspective of our bodies that we sometimes have as being that of an uh, amusement park, you know, that it's here to experience pleasure in any way. Our culture has done a really good job of trying to convince everyone and many of us that our body is our own. It is my body. That means I can do whatever I want to with my body. I can try to experience pleasure in any way that I want to and any time that I want to because it's my body. But just because culture is trying to convince us that this is true doesn't make it true. You may hear it in 9 out of 10 voices, but just because it's the majority voice doesn't make it the right voice. God is our creator and designer of all things. He's the one who establishes truth. Not you and your feelings, not our culture. And so here's the deal. God, God certainly created our bodies to be able to experience pleasure. He, he created sex, and all that God creates is good. It means it's not evil, but God created it to be a part of a certain context. And that context is within marriage. He wants you to enjoy it. It's going to be the most enjoyable and, and, and pleasurable experience within the context of the way that the Creator created it to function and work best. And so we expect the Spirit to lead out in these ways when we talk about our bodies and the proper view of it with our identity. And so bottom line again is that in Christ, you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. And knowing that can, really should change everything about the way that you view your body. It, it will change uh, the perspective that you have on the way that you look, on your diet, on working out, on sexuality, and just 
anything else that's related to your body. And ultimately, it will show you how Jesus wants to, or God wants to manifest Christ in and through your body to a lost and a dying world around you. May he do that in and through us, his church. Today, and each and every day this week, and for the weeks and months to come.